1: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with
0: Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet
2: Rivers Sportsbook. And Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Aloha Restoration, restoring your home to pre-disaster conditions. I'm David Haw with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock, and boy do we need A reason to smile, baseball fans waiting for some sort of good news to come out of New York today, waiting since December for some sort of breakthrough in this work stoppage. And that takes us out to our guest hotline, sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And who better to give us a reason to smile than the Coom Dog? Ron Coomer, the Cubs radio analyst right here on The Score, joins us. Good morning, Coom. It's been too long.
3: It has. How
2: you doing, David? Brucey? How you guys doing? Hanging in there. Hanging in there.
3: We could, we, we could be doing better as, if we get a deal <laughs> done here. We're we're hoping that uh, between you and Bob Nightingale, who was our guest earlier, uh, that we, uh, we start pushing it forward here. I know we have no control of it whatsoever. But, uh, Coombs, uh, when David and I talk about this, and we talk about getting back into camp and getting ready, What are some of the things, as a former player, that you know are possible or impossible when they say, "Okay, deal's done, let's get into camp and ready to go"? What are some of those, uh, some of those red lights that go off for you when you hear, "Okay, we're just going to get into camp and be ready in uh, 28 days"?
0: Well, I just, you know, first of all, it's it's the change, right? It's family and everything else that you got to do to instant you go from zero to a hundred. So you, you probably haven't made arrangements yet. So with family, your housing has been up in the air. Uh, but all those things, I don't, I don't think there's anything terrible, Bruce. I, I think there's a lot of things that have to happen, you know, but, um, nothing is beyond the, the scope of, you know, putting a couple good days and, and getting everything situated. Um, if you're not prepared at this moment to go to spring training, if you're a player, then you've made the mistake, right? So, um, you know, the lockout has been no secret for guys for a long time for all of us. And you just, your preparation in that um, for your body and everything else is had to have continued. So I, I would say the biggest, the biggest issue of, of a shortened camp is more just the, the work of, you know, guys not getting as much work as they normally would. You know, and and little nagging injuries being, you know, again, you know, part of what we talk about on a daily basis and and spring training.
2: You know, Coom, from your perspective as a former player, I just curious how former players tend to view these kinds of things because you are now in a position where, you know, you you're around a team every day. You 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 are the analyst here for the Cubs on the score and then you you can't escape your past experiences. So when you look at the messaging and you look at the issues and you look at the things that divide the two sides, how do you view this being solved? And, and, and who needs to give and who needs to budge and, and is it is it complicated? Can you not simplify it like that or or is it very simple to you? Well,
0: I think there's you know many prongs to what you're asking, Dan. As you know, I think both sides have dug in this time and tried to, you know, create some, a way to slant these negotiations in their favor. I definitely believe the players union feels like, you know, they've lost the last two negotiations and they, they definitely want to try to win this. Um, which to me, that means you've heard some of the guys talking about, you know, we're, we're really, you know, dug in where, where, you know, the solidarity of our group is very good. Does, does any of that need to be said? I, I, I think no. baseball as a group has been a group that everybody has known there. The solidarity of the players has been good, you know, for years and years and years and years. Um,
3: at the end of yeah, the day. And, and, gets, yeah, Coombs, until they, until they miss their first paycheck.
0: Yeah, right. And then, and, you know, I, I just wonder with the amount of money you know what my biggest issue is with this whole thing right now is there's there's a lot of money to be had and we've had we've had a tremendous amount of you know issue in our country whether it be from to pandemics and you know baseball had a chance to get this resolved months ago and instead of working up until right into the holiday season they took a month off and I don't understand that you know, and to me, that's just one of those things where not having a, a neutral party in the middle of this really is an issue um, when you come to these work stoppages. And that's what we've got. We've, we don't have a neutral party. We've got one side against the other, and that's including the commissioner. You know, we, we need a neutral commissioner, to be quite honest with you. And we don't, we don't have that right now, and we haven't had that in a long time. Um, I think that would really help um, resolve some of these problems.
2: You know, Coombe, whenever this is solved, and I guess we have to look at it as a matter of when, not if, certainly there's going to be baseball, but there's going to be a frenzy that follows. There's going to be the the, the scramble for free agents and needs to be filled and, and rosters to be completed, maybe trades to be made. From a player's perspective, if you're Chris Bryan out there still unsigned, or Carlos Correa from, you know, uh, rumors with the Cubs, how how much anxiety does that create, and what do you expect once this is solved?
0: I would expect a frenzy. I think that's exactly right, David. I, I think your colleague that that's next to you, Brucey, he helped create some of that this week with the Rizzo talk, <laughs> and, and it makes perfect sense. I loved it. I had to call Bruce, and I go, to so do we get our first baseman back, or what do we got going here? But I I think we're going to get a lot of that here in these next couple weeks, especially if this um, communication from the commissioner's office is a positive one. We're going to get a lot more. I will say this, being in this situation as a player years ago, um, there's a lot more going on um, than you might think you know, with, with third-party people talking and figuring out what's going to happen. Um, so I, I don't think there's zero talk. I just think there's not one-on-one conversations. But I think players and teams have a good idea of, you know, the, where they may end up or who, who is interested, that's for sure.
3: Coombs, who do you think the fans uh, look to when it comes to this? Obviously, they've they never cheered for an owner, Okay. Um, there's never been an owner uh, owner that hit a home run or struck out 20 batters in a game. So uh, it's obvious that fans look at uh, owners. But you know, on the other side, fans work their butts off to make a living. Fans own small businesses. Fans own big businesses. Fans understand the economic system. Where Where do you think uh, Where do you think the fan bases look when they're looking for a good guy, bad guy, or a deal to get done.
0: I believe years ago they looked to the players and they, they saw the players um, as the good guy and the owners, you know, they were, you know, the rich and powerful and, you know, and and players made a good case, Bruce. I'll say that, you know, Marvin Miller and then Donald fear, especially Marvin, you know, he was the ultimate in, and you know making the players winning the negotiation and making the players look good. You know Marvin was the king of that. Um Donald not so much but he still won. I believe now I don't know if there is a good side. I think they look at it as a whole because the salaries have gotten um to a point where, you know, the one thing about it is all the players salaries are are uh, open to the public. The owners aren't, right? So when you, when you talk about a guy making $300 million, um, you know, North side or South side construction worker or factory worker in Chicago has a hard time relating to the, to that. Um, you know, and that would be my family, right? That would have been, you know, could you ever imagine thinking you're in an industry where a guy playing right next to you could make $300 million, you know? So I, I think they look at the, industry now as a whole and just want the industry back and i don't know if there is a real good guy bad guy any longer i think it's all
2: bad guy and just let's get back to playing all right coom you opened the door a crack i'm gonna go through it anthony rizzo way, david is on the wrong side of 30 and why would the cubs be compelled to pay him what he's going to command on the open market because of his bulky his bad back and Aren't you just inviting problems? I love that Bruce's report caused such a stir locally and nationally last week. I love that people are listening to Inside the Clubhouse, but I don't like the idea of the Cubs overspending and overpaying for it to bring Anthony Rizzo back on a sentimental journey. Well, first of all, David, Anthony's a really good player. Uh, that's the
0: one thing you got to – you know, overpaying anybody I don't think is good, period, right? I mean, overpaying somebody, but – the market value is the market value. The other thing that you got to take into account now is the designated hitter rule. So the Cubs have a first baseman that they're looking to, and Schwindel, and he's done very well, and he's not a young guy, but he's he's played well, and he's swung the bat well. The Cubs, as Bruce reported, are in need of a left-handed power bat in the middle of the lineup. So what that tells me is you're allowed with the designated hitter rule that's going to be in effect you're able to give Anthony quite a few days off from playing first base and have a left-right combination at that position or multiple positions, whether it be first base and DH. So I look at that and say, well, that's a a pretty good combination of designated hitter, first base. You know, to me, what Bruce reported made a lot of sense to me. And I, you know, depending on, you know, years and how much you were going to have to pay overpaying, we know is not good, but you know, market value is market value. And I, I think Anthony brings would bring a lot to a group that's trying to get back to where they were, you know, four or five years ago.
3: You know, it's interesting, David, that you bring up uh, sentimental journey because that that's true. I mean, in a lot of, in a lot, a lot of these this, this, type of scenario it would be a sentimental journey but as coombs point points out he's still a good player and on top of that um when was the last time either one of you remember the cubs not having a guy okay rizzo was that for 10 years he was that for six years along with uh with uh, starlin castro before they brought in the complimentary players that were great players that were able to win a championship. When was the last time you guys remember the Cubs not having a guy to be the face of the organization? How far back do you go with the Cubs? Way beyond going back to Ernie Banks, uh, stepping up, you know, to the Williams and the Santos, you know, into the Rick Mondays and the Bill Madlocks, Uh, you know, next step, you know, the, the Billy Buckners and, uh, you know, the the, the guys Kingman. from the early 80s. Kingman. You know, and then stepping into the Sandberg uh, era and the, the Maddox. So when was the last time you guys remember them not having a, a, for lack of a better term, marquee player? A star. Yeah. I mean. It's been a while. I, I mean. It, I, I, again, I don't ever
0: recall that. I, I thought that was always. You know, years and years ago, when I was a kid, that was always the knock against the Cubs, right? As a business, they they had a couple star players that everybody wanted to come see. People love going to Wrigley, but they didn't compete, right? In in the league aspect, yes, they they had a couple marquee guys, but they didn't compete for a championship because they weren't willing to do what it took to be a championship caliber team. Right. But they drew because of the banks and because of Ronnie Sano and then because of Monday and some of them and then Kingman. I remember the Kingman era in and Buckner and some of the, in that group and you know Kingman drew fans because he hit the ball, you know, across the street all the time. That's you know
2: I would agree with, with the, you, Bruce. The twenty eleven Cubs would, would maybe like a word, but I your point is well taken, Bruce. I mean, but there wasn't a huge star in the twenty eleven Cubs until Anthony Rizzo arrived to become the, the future face. And Starling Castro was well. But we digress. Koum, I want to get your opinion on this. You mentioned the DH. I look at a guy like Wilson Contreras, and I wonder, you know, the Cubs went out and they got Gomez in, Gomes in the, in the offseason to catch a lot of the games. And you look at Wilson Contreras being used potentially as a DH and extending maybe his career, maybe making him more durable. Do you look at him as a potential, uh, as one of those guys who could benefit from the rule change?
0: Yes, absolutely. You know, Wilson has been one of the guys in the league that has caught um, as many or more games than anybody else in baseball. So the Cubs definitely needed to address that issue. You know, but with that being said, Wilson is a guy that if he's not in the lineup a day, he marches right into the manager's office. He wants to play day after day. But I, I do believe the Cubs and David Ross have realized, you know, the, the production – for Wilson, you know, descending as the season progressed because of his workload um, and not having his legs underneath him and then leg injuries. So they needed to get somebody behind the plate, and I do think they will be very, you know, conscious of that as, you know, the season moves on, especially, you know, with all the day games, the change in the schedule for the Cubs players is something nobody talks about, but it's a difficult schedule because of, you know, the day and then all the the night, you know, early in the week and then absolutely day games on the weekend. So they've got to be, they've got to be concerned and pay attention. And they will. I know that because of David, uh, of the workload of Wilson Contreras this season.
3: Koomza, uh, before we let you go, what, what are your thoughts about Wisdom, Schwindel, Ortega? What, what are the, ch- I mean, they were, they were firmly embraced by the, uh, cub nation that was watching after the the big trades and the big turn in the organization at the trading deadline but uh, what where where's your confidence that these guys at age 30 31 have found it and are going to be legit players putting up the similar numbers that they put up last year for whole seasons well I, it was
0: it was a great story and i was really happy for those guys you know and I've, i i'm done a couple or done an appearance with Swindell this winter and got to know him a little bit. And what a nice, nice young man, a nice guy. And, and so you're really pulling for all of those guys. You just do. It's a great story. I do believe though, in as the league is factored in when, when you start looking at what they've accomplished last year, they're not going to speak up on anybody this year, right? The Cubs, Those three, you know, in particular, the two with Wisdom and Schwindel, they're just not going to. So we saw the league catching up a little bit with Wisdom, you know, the last month or so with a lot of breaking balls and a lot of not throwing him a lot of strikes. So he's going to have to account for that. But I I think the one guy that really stood out to me that, that understood what they were doing and he had something to combat it was Schwindel. You know, he was able to lay off some breaking balls and pitches out of the zone and he was able to use the other side of the diamond as a hitter and use the other field. So with him being able to do that, uh, it really helped him. And it it eliminates some of the holes that you can have in your swing. So I I know they're talking a lot about wisdom, trying to cut down the strikeout to me, if if he can start using the other side of the diamond, um, help that because he'll get a better look at and a longer look at some pitches. You know, he might, might not hit for the same amount of power, you know, that you know. but he's he's strong enough to where he can hit the ball out the other way. There's a question mark there. There's no doubt, Bruce, of what those guys are going to do being 30 years old and last year being their first time getting a chance to play every day.
2: Coombe, we've only got a minute left, but I have to ask you, what is your Super Bowl pick? My Super Bowl pick and who I'm rooting for are two different things.
0: I really feel like with two weeks off – the Rams the defensive line is going to make it really difficult for that young quarterback. I watched him make it difficult on Tom Brady and, and Burrow is bigger, stronger, faster, but not smarter. I, I just think they're going to make it really difficult. And then, you know, the quarterback in Los Angeles is a pretty good player too. Um, I think the Rams are going to end up winning by at least 10 points. I'm rooting though. For the Bengals, I think that's a great story. And you know, Otis, our our equipment manager for the Cubs, Tommy, yep. he's rooting for the Bengals all his life, and for and nothing, he's gotten zero. So I'm rooting for Tommy just to
3: have a good day on Super Bowl Sunday. That's <laughs> what I'm really rooting for. <laughs> that's great. You're the best, Coom. Thanks for joining Coombe. us this morning. Thanks, thanks, buddy. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and and thanks for joining us. I look forward to you you two.
0: Me and then we'll invite that Nightingale character to have dinner in Scottsdale.
3: Bruce,
0: that's a deal. This time. how's that? I'm in, that, that's,
3: Coom. A, that's a deal. <laughs> I'm all I can't there. wait. Yeah, it sounds Michigan. that's the best thing I've heard in a long time.
2: Yeah, Ron Coomer, <laughs> the analyst for the Cubs here on the score. That's a great idea, Bruce. We need to do inside the clubhouse live from Sloan Park out in Mesa and then. Go to dinner on Coombe with uh, Bob Nightingale could come along as well. How about that?
3: Yeah, that sounds great. We got a a couple of great places to go to. I'm not going to give free publicity out to uh, anybody except uh, Goldman's and Portillo's. Other than that, uh, you know, I'd say live from Goldman's Deli. You know, inside the clubhouse. Always in search of the sponsor. Always
2: looking ahead. And as we look ahead, Bruce, let's talk about that DH rule and how it affects the Cubs, and maybe even potentially. Players in the White Sox minor league systems, players who are maybe blocked by somebody, how does the universal DH affect their futures? Next, inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy, the score.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
3: Oh, Oh, high and deep out to right field. Judge back and watching, and it's gone!
2: Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, David Hall, Bruce Levine here. That was a thank you to ESPN for that highlight Uh, Kyle Schwarber homering. And Kyle Schwarber, his career arc uh, may have been improved this week, Bruce. I don't know. If necessarily uh, you you ever looked at him as being just a D.H., but when you have a universal D.H., guys like Kyle Schwarber come to mind. More jobs, more opportunities, more money, more value. And I think when you think about the rules changes, he's the first guy I thought of. You you mentioned last week about the Cubs potentially bringing Anthony Rizzo back to town. What are the chances that Kyle Schwarber has either a reunion with the Cubs or maybe – you know, joins the White Sox because they are still in the market for a right fielder.
3: Yeah, I, you know, I just don't see him as the uh, solution to the White Sox uh, situation. I mean, they would love the left-handed bat. So I, I think it's it would be open to it. I think it's Michael Conforto, uh, a left-handed power bat that's a free agent from the Mets. I think that's more in line of uh, a guy who can do that job defensively. You, you, you know, with Schwarber... He gives you everything he has, but right field is not, that, that's not suited for him, especially in big ballparks. Uh, that, that's not going to work. But again, the left handed bat is there. And, and for the Cubs, uh, you know, all of a sudden he makes more sense for to you uh, the day after the commissioner of baseball says we're going to have a universal DH. All of a sudden that opens some eyes up. You, you couldn't, if you were the Cubs before December 1st, You couldn't commit to a a universal DH. You couldn't even think about uh, necessarily bringing Schwarber back. Now, that's a totally different story. I mean, they need left-handed power. They know the makeup of the guy. They know the ability to hit 40. Uh, Last year, when he got hurt, he was on pace to hit over 50 home runs when he was with Washington. Unbelievable. So, so again... uh, The makeup, knowing the makeup of Rizzo and Schwarber, that's a huge thing before you spend money and bring in a free agent.
2: Bruce, it doesn't affect them directly, but I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, when you have a universal DH, all of a sudden. You may not have players at the major league level that maybe you can plug into that spot yet, but maybe you have players at the minor league level who fit the profile of your prototypical designated hitter, and those guys could be more valuable as trade pieces perhaps. And I'm thinking directly of the White Sox and Jake Berger, Jermaine Mercedes. Maybe these guys now can be used or dangled as trade bait or a part of deals if you want to get a second baseman or a right fielder or a starting pitcher. Is that overthinking this, or do you look at it the same way?
3: No, I don't think it's overthinking. I think it's it's looking at it intelligently that uh, guys who were one-dimensional are now seeked and, and needed by uh, 15 more teams. And, and and the thought process for those general managers, those front office people, uh, those R&D people, uh, it's all different now because it opens up a whole new world to half of baseball. So you do look at your, your own young players and you do talk to your uh professional Scouts who are looking in those other organizations who have lists of people uh, who uh, are just basically uh, hitters not position players not not uniquely talented as defenders uh, they, they go into that role then you also look at catchers and uh I mean did, did the Cubs have that in mind when they signed Jan gomes was it just not to back up but was it the idea that him and uh, both him and uh, Contreras could be sharing some of that DH time, you know, as well, because they're both uh, good offensive players. So f- from that perspective, it, it changes the uh, half of the entire baseball um, scene. the, the whole. The whole way that a half of baseball looks at players has changed dramatically just by the uh, Commissioner of Baseball going ahead and saying we will have a universal DH. And we're going to change a little dramatically here. We are going to finish up our
2: program and inside the clubhouse by going maybe inside the sports book. And we are going to talk Super Bowl betting with Ryan Horvat, the host of BetMGM tonight. When we come back here, he's from the BetQL Network. We will talk to him next. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome back. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Bruce Lyon, David Hawt here until 11 o'clock. And, yeah, it's Super Bowl weekend, so we go from – Inside the clubhouse to inside the sports book, and it's time to go out to our guest hotlines, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And Bruce, that is where we find our next guest. He is the Pride of Joliet. He is the host of Bet MGM Tonight, weeknights, from 6 to 10, on the BetQL network, which is available on the Odyssey app, or in Chicago on 105.9 FM HD2. You can download the BetQL app also today for the best data and analytics to help you with your Super Bowl wagering because the big game is Sunday and Ryan Horvat is here today to help everybody out with their bets. Good morning, Ryan. How are you?
1: I'm great, David. Bruce, thanks for having me on. I uh, I appreciate the intro, you guys, but I can't take claim to the pride of Joliet. I'm like the black sheep of uh, Joliet. We got Tom Thayer. We have Mike Allstott. We have my grandfather, Gordy Gillespie. Then there's me who uh, I think my biggest accomplishment was like the Tension King senior year of high school. So I can't I can't take that claim. as, as uh, a pride don't, of don't, yet.
2: don't hurt your back picking up those names you just dropped there, Ryan. But uh, <laughs> <you> are, <laughs> we appreciate you joining us. So where do you want to start? Because there's so many opportunities out there for money to be made. Obviously, the Bengals, uh, what is the latest on the line? Last I looked, they were getting four. And uh, the the, the over under, where are you leaning? Where do you uh where do you want it to go with this?
1: Yeah, so the Bengals right now it's back to four. There were some three and a halves that were out there for a short period of time yesterday, but it is back to four. The Rams are favored by four in this game and you know I've kind of been rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know, to start the season they had the same win total, season win total as the Jacksonville Jags. Six and a half wins, they had the same Super Bowl odds. I mean, we remember that game against the Bears where Joe Burrow got picked off what three times in a row on three straight dropbacks. I mean, yep. it, it's been if you look at the last eight games, and that's my problem for the Bengals in this spot. Like, I want to back them, but you have a young team playing in their first Super Bowl against Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, all those guys that have played in this game, and then Matthew Stafford, who the knock on him was he couldn't win playoff games. Now he's three and zero in the playoffs in his last three. Uh, you look at the last eight games Joe Burrow's played in only one above-average pass defense. So I went all the way back to September. And if you look at the 16 games he's played in since the end of September, uh, only four of those against pass defenses that rank average or above average. And the splits are kind of nasty. Three touchdowns to six picks. He's taken 19 sacks. In fact, he hasn't played a top-five passing defense all season long. This is going to be the first time all season long in the Super Bowl on Sunday against that pass rush. And, like, for context, Tom Brady faced nine of the top – 10 passing defenses. Josh Allen, Jimmy G even eight apiece. So that's what concerns me. You know, um, the way to get to Joe Burrow, you can't blitz him. He's the number five quarterback against the blitz. But if you send that natural pressure, which the Rams do at a 30% rate, the best in the NFL, I think you could get after him, maybe force him into some mistakes. So I'm hoping that Cincinnati could keep it close. But what I'm waiting to do is just kind of back the Rams on the money line. Right now, the price is Minus two hundred over at BetMGM, so I don't really want to lay that. I was hoping for like minus one eighty. Um, I think the Rams win, but I wouldn't be shocked if we got a backdoor cover or maybe a field goal game in this one. But I just, I think this is Stafford's year and Sean McVay's year. I just think they have the coaching advantage in this one too.
3: Ryan, uh, thanks for joining us. First of all, a pleasure having you on. And uh, I'm going to be betting prop bets this weekend for the first time. Uh, I'm betting the Super Bowl. Give me a couple of top prop bets that I should look at. And uh, what do you think are, you know, for novices like myself in gambling, what are the, the do's and don'ts when it comes to props?
1: Yeah, so you know what I usually do with props. Like, let's say you want to play some prop bets and you want to go over on the star players. Like, you want to play Cooper Cup over receiving yards, and that's already a ridiculous number. You know, there's some 104, 105 yards out there. Or maybe you want to go over on Joe Mixon's rushing yards, which I actually wouldn't advise. I played the under, uh, 64 and a half. I would play your overs today if you think somebody's going to go over their yardage or score a touchdown or go over their passing yards, just because this is going to be the most bet on Super Bowl ever because now so many states have access you know to mobile betting where you don't even have to go to the sports book especially you know we're still in the pandemic a lot of people still don't want to go out and about you can just pick up your phone and place your bet right there as long as you're registered so i just feel like these numbers might get a little crazy so if you want to play overs i would play them by probably you know no later than 10 p.m. tonight and then if you want to play unders just wait until tomorrow because with all these people gambling and betting on these prop bets the prices may go up so I might even hedge a couple of these, like go over on Cam Akers, 60 yards rushing. But if that gets all the way up to like 69 or 70 yards, I might take the under. I could see him finishing with 65 yards rushing. So that and then, you know, the other thing is you kind of have to, there's so many props. Like I remember when I first went to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl about a decade ago, there was like 150 prop bets. Now there's over 500 prop bets. So you just kind of have to. You know, I I try to pick and choose, like, five to six that I really like because it can get a little dangerous, especially when you have access right there on your phone. So a couple I really like, um, they're kind of out there. I like the the Bengals' first drive of the game to result Mm -hmm. in a punt, and that's minus 110 right now. And if you look at it, the Rams last eight drives uh, their defense. Uh, They forced eight opening drives to be punts. And then if you look at the Bengals' last five road games, or games away from Cincinnati, the same thing. And that's because they just have such predictable play calling. And that's my problem with Cincinnati really in this game. If Joe Burroughs in the shotgun, they're throwing the ball 75% of the time. If Joe Burroughs, you know, under center, they're running the ball. They're very predictable. In fact, the most predictable team in the NFL by a landslide. So I like the first drive to result in a punt. And then I'm kind of hedging that. I don't think they get on the board with a touchdown first against that Rams defense. So I'm also playing the first score... To be a field goal, which you could still get for plus 160. So $1, one sixty. So a dollar wins you a dollar sixty. A hundred wins you a hundred and sixty dollars. And if you look at it in the ten road games, their first scoring drive has ended in a field goal. The Bengals seven times with a touchdown just three times. Five straight road games, their first score of the game has been a field goal. And then if you look at uh, down the stretch for this Rams defense, the last eight games, the first score they allowed. Six field goals and only two touchdowns. In the talk of the town is Evan McPherson right now. He has the big leg. We all remember like when, you know, he went out there, he told them we're heading to the AFC championship, we're heading to the Super Bowl. So he's super confident. I think his career long is like fifty four or fifty five. So I like first scoring drive for the Bengals, field goal plus one sixty. And then their first drive though to result in a punt minus one ten. I think they punt on the first one, maybe get a field goal on the second or third. So I really like that bet. I went over on the national anthem, but what happened was somebody released the play. They took it off the board, and I got it over 58 seconds. Now the last I saw, it's a minute and four seconds. So I wouldn't touch that. And then really quick, a couple more things that I like. Uh, total sacks in the game, over five and a half. That was plus money. Joe Burrow may get sacked five times himself. Um, highest scoring half to be the second half. I always play that one, you guys. And then I played um, the Rams to call the first time out. Minus 115 in their last seven games. They've been the first team to call a timeout. Cincinnati's only been the first team to call a timeout once. And then Joe Burrow's longest rush, under 8.5 yards. I, just, I don't see him getting out of the pocket and scrambling for more than eight against this defense. This isn't Kansas City. So those are my favorite props this weekend. <laughs>
2: You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse here in Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Aloha Restoration, restoring your home to pre-disaster conditions. And we're talking to Ryan Horvat, the host of BetGM, MGM Tonight, weeknights from 6 to 10 on the BetQL network, which is available on the Odyssey app. Great stuff, Ryan. Did you include in there, in your research, the color of the Gatorade being dumped on the winning coach? Is that still a prop? That's one of the more favorite ones for some people.
1: Yeah. So, you know, that heads and tails, or, you know, the coin toss we always play, and I always play tails. Tails never fails. But for the Gatorade, it's funny because my co-host actually did do some research, and, you know, they dove into uh, when Tampa Bay won it last year, the Gatorade was blue. And then the final year that Brady and Gronk won it together in New England, it was blue. So they were trying to, like, draw the conclusion that maybe you could look at players' favorite colors. So they found out that Joe Burrow's favorite Gatorade color – uh, it's orange, and the Cincinnati Bengals obviously the team color is orange. So if you think the Bengals are going to win, maybe take take a shot with orange. And then I've been told a source says that if the Rams win, maybe the Gatorade's going to be blue. So that's how crazy this thing has become. Like people really do research this. I have people in Las Vegas. Like I know, if, I don't know if you guys will be able to find this, but if you could find this prop, Mickey Guyton who's singing the national anthem yeah. when. um, When this prop was released, her outfit color is most likely, I'm pretty sure, going to be blue. And that was plus 400, but that's another one that was released and then taken off the board along with the time, you know, the duration of the anthem. So you just have to get to these pretty early. People do research them. It's it's really crazy.
3: Being this is a baseball show, Ryan, we uh, cannot let you go without asking uh, a baseball betting question. And, of course, that would be – where can I get my bet in as to when the agreement will come between owners and players on a new CBA? Is that on the board?
1: I wish that was on the board. Unfortunately, I don't have that on the board over at Ben MGM, but I'm a huge fan of the show. I've been listening for years, Bruce, you, Matt Spiegel, and David, and um you know, so I really appreciate you guys having me on. I'm a, I'm unfortunately a huge Cubs fan, but I actually made a value bet, and I don't know if it's a huge value bet. But the White Sox right now are 11 to one to win the World Series. They're plus five fifty to represent the AL. I really think this is going to be the year, and it pains me to say that, you know, as a Northsider. But I just think if they unleash Kopech with that lineup and they're actually able to stay healthy this year, I like that price. They're 11 to one. The Astros are plus nine hundred. The Dodgers are still the favorite, plus 600 to win the World Series. You look at everything they're going to lose, and sure, I mean, it's the Dodgers, so they're going to spend money. But I just think that's a sucker bet right there, plus 600. And then um, you want to know how depressing things are for us Cubs fans. The Cubs' odds to win the World Series after that nice little run we had where, well, I mean, I thought it was going to be a dynasty. 100-1 to 1 to win the World Series over at BetMGM. The Cubs are. They have they have the same odds as the Kansas City Royals right now.
3: Wow. What if they had uh, Rizzo and uh... – Schwarber, they're, they're right back where and they Correa. need to
1: be. <laughs>
3: and Korea, and There you go.
1: Yeah, and Korea. Well, I'm hoping. You know what? I'll, I, I was saying this to my dad yesterday. I don't care. If, if we're going to suck, if they're going to suck, I would rather just like have the guys that we've been rooting for. So I'd rather have Rizzo back. I'll tell you, <laughs> a, a good value bet really quick, if, if you think maybe uh, if you want to take a shot with somebody other than the White Sox, the Tigers are 35-1 to to win the World Series, which I don't love. But to win the division, plus eight fifty. I think they might be a sneaky team. I do a uh, the betting podcast, the MLB podcast with uh, Cody Decker. We've been talking about the Tigers as a team, you know, to look out for. And I think they're going to start spending some money if if we ever you know return to action here. I mean, I, I thought this was going to be taken care of here soon. Who knows though? When we're going to get baseball?
2: Ryan, thank you so much. Great information for people betting on the Super Bowl and for anticipating the season that lies ahead for Major League Baseball. Appreciate your time.
1: Thanks so much for having me, guys. Enjoy the game this weekend.
2: Ryan Horvat, the host of BetMGM tonight, weeknights from 6 to 10 on the BetQL network, available on the Odyssey app. You want to download the BetQL app today for the best data and analytics to help you with your Super Bowl wagering. Bruce, we are all set. I know you're going to be running to your app after this show and start betting because that was some valuable information from Ryan Horvath.
3: Who Who do you like,
2: Bengals or Rams? I have been consistent all week. I'm picking the Rams. My margin of victory has expanded now. Rams 31, Bengals
3: 23. What about you? I'm going Bengals. I think some of that <laughs> Detroit Lion is going to come out in that quarterback. Who uh, a couple, A couple of tur- big turnovers for Cincinnati switches this one around. But again, uh, only time will tell. Get your bets in early. People can uh, follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also, follow me uh, writing uh, 670thescore.com. Cubs, Sox information, also labor information. David, we have people to thank.
2: Yes, we do. Adam Stadzinski, starting with him, our producer. He's going to be sticking around, talking and producing, along with Steve Rosenblum. Saturday Suckage is next. The Bulls and Thunder tonight, 645 here on The Score. Thank you to Bob Nightingale, who joined us. Ron Coomer, the Coom Dog. And Ryan Horvat, who joined us again. We just heard him. This was a fun show, Bruce. Thank you for your contributions and lining everything up. Have a great week.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours